Rogan, I have a confession to make. What's the confession, Murph? I'm not Pavlos. <laughs> it's okay. I, I forgive you. Uh, this podcast, uh, moving forward, I'm just going to duct tape Pavlos's face to yours so we can continue. That's, you know what? I'll, I'll probably get laid more. <laughs> oh, no. That's what, sad. Dear, dear listener, the reason why I am here is Pavlos was actually voted Deutschland's most handsome man of 2021, and he just doesn't have the time. He's so busy. He's so busy being a celebrity, and uh, I'm stuck doing podcasts and Dark Souls lore. So that's I get ads on Facebook all the time for his br- his line of penis enlarging pills. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess it worked. It, I guess the pills yeah. work. No, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> what an opener! You didn't. <laughs> Welcome to the Daydreamcast. This is a video game podcast, by the way. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and I did, I did promise Pavlos that when I was taking over, that I wouldn't, uh, I would help rein in the discussion of FromSoft games and continue his legacy in that manner. Oh, so, so we we can't talk about Dark Souls or Bloodborne, right? No, no Dark Souls. No, or- no, no Dark Souls. No Dark Souls or Bloodborne, um, and certainly no Elden Ring. But when that releases. Hear me out. What about like a, I don't know, a Sekiro. A Sekiro, a Sekiro. Shadows die more than once. Shadows die a few times. How many times have you if died? You're me? I don't know. Does it keep a counter? No, probably not. Okay. Uh, I mean, I've had to cure Dragon Rot at least twice. <laughs> Dragon Rot's annoying as shit. How far are you? So I am. I I think I'm at the midpoint. I'm at the what you spoiled for me is the first owl fight. Oh yeah. Well, okay. Well, technically, it's it's not it's not the way it is. I'm not gonna spoil it anymore for you. But I understand where you are now. This all makes sense. It okay. Uh. How are you liking the game? I I like it. It's taken a while to click, and that seems to be the uh, the par for the course for a lot of people. Is the combat takes a while to click, especially if you're expecting it to be another like like Blood Souls. Uh, this is not a this is not a Bloodborne. This is not a FromSoft. This is a a Sekiro. This is very distinctly its own thing. Of course, of course. But that being said, though, like. Um, there's like, to me, when I play Sekiro, there's like a high skill floor to where it was like mm-hmm. going in, there's ways in the other games in, you know, Soulsborne or whatever to where, where you can alleviate some of the problems like summoning. Yeah. You could summon in other ones. Whereas this one is like pretty close to you have to be good at the game. That is what I was going to say in like a um bloodborne i never really hit a wall um i guess like orphan of costs uh, was my wall but most of the bloodborne bosses i mean no gamer cred but i beat probably on my second or third attempt okay there you go yeah and then dark souls one i definitely hit a lot of walls but i would just like go grind and then i'd be good in sekiro you can't grind you can go 
The only way to power yourself up is to beat bosses or to beat mini-bosses. So either way, you have to beat a boss. So it's truly the epitome of get good. When you hit a wall, that wall isn't going to show any cracks for you. Yeah, yeah, you're going to have to you're going to have to scale it no matter what. Um like how 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 are you ranking it? I would put it of the four games I've played from from Bloodborne, Dark Souls 3, Dark Souls 1, Sekiro. I right now I would put it below Bloodborne and Dark Souls 3 above Dark Souls 1. I, I can see that. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense to me what you would do. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'm, I'm taking notes here. I'm writing down your game tastes. By the way, with a new, new co-host, we can learn new game tastes. I no longer have to bicker about whether or not Sonic CD is a good game. Well, it is. There we go. This is why, this is why he's the new co-host. <laughs> that, was, that was the job application. I was just going to say with Sekiro, it's really satisfying because when you are doing good you're like styling on people but then like the turnaround of that is sometimes you just go into a boss and mash r1 and somehow you've won it's better to stagger them they have their own like stamina thing yeah so, so if you keep spamming r1 sometimes getting shiro was like a fight for that for me was where yeah. if you just keep spamming it, they can get overwhelmed too, not just you. And then if you're able mm -hmm. to do that like animation to where you slice them out, you don't even have to bring their health bar down. They just lose an entire health bar, which is great. Yeah. No, no, it's all about breaking the posture. Yeah. It's just like Genitrio is a good example because I was stuck on him for the longest time and then I just sort of got him stuck in a corner and kept mashing R1 and I beat his first phase. Well, you know, I was going to say there are things about Sekiro that allow you to engage with it in a way that's not just the wall. Shinobi tools, the extra things you can do, like the tricks or whatever, those little like yeah. bits, those things to me are basically a compromise to where you're able to be a little messier in execution. Because otherwise, if you didn't mm -hmm. have them, you'd have to be pretty fucking solid in execution but like you can give them stunned animations etc etc to where it definitely it feels help. a lot less forgiving yes than a bloodborne or even a dark souls um it makes me wonder whether or not it it's a good thing that it's like a souls like 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 the thing i always had problems mm -hmm. with when i played sekiro was me number one i wanted it to be more stealthy i think the stealth components are were lacking for me but then the other yeah. thing I uh, felt was like, I was wondering if the Souls formula, whatever bits Sekiro borrowed from it, if they were if they were misplaced. I, part of me thinks the design should have been a more streamlined, normal action game, personally. I think, I think if you had a way to recover your money that you lose on death, a la a Souls or Bloodborne, that would alleviate a lot of my problems. Because... So far, all you really lose on death is the experience you've accumulated up to your current level, all your money, or no, half your money, and then a, a random chance someone gets dragon rot and you can't continue their quest. Yeah, and uh, and to me, that's not a very satisfying uh, system of punishment and reward. You know what I mean? Um, and like, yeah. even if you do, even if you fulfill the quest lines. I'm not gonna like entirely spoil the 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 rewards to me in the game generally speaking are lacking. So like mm -hmm. 
I'm 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 a little bit lesser on Sekiro. However, the thing I like most about it is in that visceral combat. I think it is way more satisfying in terms of bosses and enemy encounter design than than the other Soulsborne games. And I think for a lot of people, mm -hmm. they value that. So in my head, I would recommend Sekiro to almost any Soulsborne fan. Yeah. No, I'll stick with it. I'll see where it comes out towards the end. Um, I think even though I'm, I feel like I'm fairly far in it, um, I'm still like learning it. It definitely feels like a game that's teaching you for the second playthrough. Um, okay. Um, but if you keep dying in Sekiro, I'm trying to make it a pun for the rest I'm of I'm going to enter a, a door. A death's door. <laughs> you're going to reach yeah. death's door. The game death's I played. possessive door. The game I played is death's door. Uh, it was on Game Pass. And uh, I, the way I described it to you, and I guess the way you see it was, uh, it was like Bastion meets Zelda. Um, it was like heavy combat focus, but there are dungeon segments, puzzle segments, and um, very like fun, lighthearted like enemy designs and puzzles. Now this is from the uh this is from the Titan Souls devs, right? I believe so, yeah. I actually didn't pay attention okay. to that. You may have researched more on the game I played than I did. So. No, I just remember the promotional stuff. And I like Titan Souls. I never got far in Titan Souls. Yeah, I mean I I like uh Titan Souls was like a really good boss game. I I love the idea of just like concentrating on very specific calculated encounters. Um, mm -hmm. Death's Door is less about that. Um, I would say it's a little bit more, uh, it feels a little bit more haphazard in terms of like, oh, they, they did just, it feels a little bit more typical in the isometric, uh, whacking things sense. I, like you're, you are just like doing mm -hmm. those numbers. Um, and like, it's not like the move sets are particularly unique either. Um, but I think the art style and the charm and just the general areas uh, really bring it out and uh, the combat is satisfying so like that's where i stand on it and i would recommend okay. anyone play it especially so, if you have game pass interesting okay so you said it's like has the, the like the move sets no, are there builds no it's just it's just weapons i mean there's like small things you could do but there's like no real okay the there's no real stats there are stats you can upgrade but it's not like a build it's just going to be what you upgrade first okay Okay, okay. So it's not no. it's not like a no, roguelike or anything. It's like I think that was the one thing I it's I didn't, like it, wasn't like sure everything about is it. specifically designed. It's like a I don't want to say a real game, but it is not procedurally generated. Okay, okay. I see. It's handcrafted. It's handcrafted, yes. Okay, okay. Every every copy is personalized. Uh it's an NFT. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> well that's kidding. the real death store. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I can't make an angry apes conversion to uh, talking about Resident Evil Remake Two. Mister uh, X kind of looks like an NFT. I could I could see a tyrant series of NFTs. Yeah. Yeah, like with, imagine Nemesis with like sunglasses and like a, a sideways cap. Yeah, and his mouth is open and his tongue is hanging out for some reason. You you know what NFTs remind me of? They remind me of... A, Tell like, me on this gaming podcast. <laughs> they remind me of... Did, did you ever go into a store and, like, in the gumball section, like, at oh the Oh, my... Yes, the stickers? Yes, it's either the stickers or the tiny little figurines, and there's, like, 50 of them, and they're all mediocre, weird variations of each other. Yeah. That's what NFTs remind me of. 
No, that's a great comparison, except instead of uh, putting in a quarter or 50 cents, you put in an entire chunk of the rainforest. Yeah, uh, yeah, and you put in, uh, you know, your life savings, and then you waste your life savings because who the fuck else will buy it? You fell for a scam. You know, it's just one of those things. Yeah. You know who would do NFTs? The Umbrella Corporation. There you go. We're, we're coming back to it. Uh, you played Resident Evil Remake 2. Yeah, so... so uh, our, our, our sexy listeners may recall that last time I was on here, there was the decision about what franchise I would play through next after finishing Assassin's Creed, and the choice was Yakuza or Resident Evil. And the fans demanded Resident Evil. Me, uh, I demanded Resident Evil. Yeah, so I've been playing through those uh, basically the entire time, and now I'm almost done with Remake 2. Uh, you, you, like, you haven't finished Claire? I haven't. I'm at the lab. Oh, you're you're almost done, yeah. Yeah. So Remake 2 is a game that I really want to love, but I think I come out more respecting it. It's because you kept dying. <laughs> it's because I'm bad at it. I don't like it. I think so. I think this is one of those good, good scenarios. So the whole thing is that it's like, the game is meant to be sort of having difficulty, I don't know, waves or spikes intentionally. Like, just for a second, it's going to get real tricky, and you have to adapt to that. Like, suddenly the zombie in your path takes more bullets than the average zombie. Or you go into a hallway that was previously safe, and now there's two liquors, so you have to walk real slow, except who's that behind you? It's Mr. X, and he's going to fist you. And it's like, 95% of the time... All those elements work beautifully, and the game is really atmospheric, and you're making choices on the fly, and then that remaining 5% of the time is you're in a safe room, you know where you're supposed to go, and Mr. X is just pitching a tent and a campfire outside, and you can't really do anything about that. And that's what that's what frustrates me, is just like... I don't feel like I'm rolling with the punches, I feel like I'm just getting beat down, and wasting time i think wasting time is a i think i think that's a fair complaint especially for i mean i think the answer would be the more you play it the less that would happen but that also Mm. is the expectation that you would have to play it enough to do that and that's an unfair ask so yeah you know i think that's a completely fair criticism of the game um it has a very delicate balance and it doesn't necessarily tip the right way sometimes um i will say personally for something like mr x um i i personally liked mr x the most out of any pursuer resident evil uh character because of how unscripted he was he had like two or three scripted moments and then he was generally just on you and i really he's got I, i love mr x he's got a lot of personality for not having a personality um, just you feel like he genuinely has it out to get you, um, which makes that relationship much more personal and why you're just sitting by the door just shouting, go, go away, you tall bitch. Uh, I think if I could change one thing about Mr. X that I think would make it easier is not make his footsteps so omnipresent when he's not actually near you. 
I remember when I sense. was watching you, like you could hear him from other floors, and I think yeah, that's probably I was, a problem. Yeah, I could hear him in the garage, like very clearly stomping around. I'm like, oh god, he's just outside this door, but no, he's actually on the floor above. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's a problem. Yeah, but but like that being said, so like I didn't I didn't check in with you once you got out of the police station. So like I I was unaware of how you felt about like. One of the things I didn't like about Resident Evil 2 is it's only the sewer section personally where poison was a problem. Like there's like really only like two hallways where you have to worry about using blue herb. And then after that, you've got like 200 blue herbs in your chest, you know? Well, yeah, with the turd monsters. Yeah. Um, That was surprising because that's not in the original. They took out the spiders, which I was very sad. I wanted to see the spiders. They took, a, they took out a bunch of stuff. They ke- they kept the alligator because I think people complained about it. But uh, other than that, like, yeah, they took out a lot of the animal stuff. Yeah, well, the spiders I always loved in Resident Evil because they don't do anything, really. <laughs> uh, they're an intimidation factor more than anything. But as I've been going through these games, I've made up a little song. goes like, you can run past spiders all the time because they don't do anything. They just look at you. It's just fun. Even in the railgun shooters, the spiders don't do anything. You can just sit there and your character will run past them because they don't attack. <laughs> so so what you're really asking for in Resident Evil Remake 2 is just le- <laughs> less enemies that attack. You want enemies to be there, but they don't want you don't want them to hurt you. Yeah. Okay, that's true. just like real life. I don't I want enemies, but I don't I don't want them to be aggressive. <laughs> you want to stare at your enemies from across the room and respect each other's distance. I understand. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't mind the turd monsters though because you can kind of glitch out their AI. <laughs> I didn't get poisoned once in the sewers. Okay, so uh, then you probably didn't get poisoned at all. No, but I do think the blue herbs have a use because you can use them to get the um, like the shield. Yeah. Yeah, and that's no, that's no. very useful, particularly in like the Birkin boss fights. Yeah. What do you Especially think of the boss fights? So the boss fights so far, the two of them, one against Birkin in the sewers and the other against Birkin in the sewers. Yeah. Um the the first one, that's real fun. Um particularly because Resident Evil has never, like, consistently across, like, the series, not really talking about modern Resident Evil. Resident Evil's never had good bosses. Yeah. Um, Like, the original trilogy, the bosses where you stood in the corner and just shot your magnum. Yeah. Yeah. It's, especially when they had limited camera perspective, it's really hard to have any sort of engagement without mobility or anything like that. So, like, yeah. it was really only after, you know, you had a camera. Like, Resident Evil 4 has some you know seven has some like it it had to have been post the fixed camera in my opinion yeah i'm not i'm not in love with two's bosses so far particularly that boss with the crane or with birkin and the crane like it's a good idea i just think you needed maybe a bigger arena Mm -hmm. or uh, make it easier (laughs) because so consistently i was getting knocked off because I was caught in an animation, or Birkin wasn't... I was throwing the stun grenade at his feet, and he would take a step forward, so it hit him behind him, and therefore he was not stunned. That's frustrating. That's frustrating. So I had to try and kite him back into the crane's path. 
And yeah, that's just... And that's really the only way to get him, too. It's not like one of those scenarios where you could just unload damage onto his eye and call it a day. Like, you yeah. need to do the scripted thing. And those are the things I don't like in games sometimes. Um, the thing I wanted to ask was going in, like, you're nearing the end of the Resident Evil retrospective. Mm-hmm. I want to record your anticipations and expectations of Resident Evil 8 and um, Resident Evil 3 remake. Because I know Res- you okay. like Resident Evil 7, and I know Resident Evil 3 was like your favorite of the PlayStations. So yes. where are you going with this? Um, So 3 remake, if they can really capture the idea of a city gone to shit... Because that was the best part of the original three, is you just had these beautifully, like, just torn buildings are on fire, cars are flipped over. How did that happen in a zombie apocalypse? Um, zombies are everywhere, but the paths were always wide enough that you could snake around and stuff. And I think that's what I want. I want the zombies to feel ever-present, but not... I know I'm contradicting myself with my thing about two, but it's sort yeah. of like... I, the thing that w- the original three really did well is that you were always running. You were always having forward momentum. There was very few moments where you're, like, planning or figuring out where to go. It was yeah. very linear. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think that will change in the remake. So I think you you have something to look forward to there. I hope, if anything, they expand on Carlos, which I've seen as redesign, so... Mm-hmm. I, I hope that... Uh, they keep uh, Nikolai as cartoonishly Russian as he was in the original. Yeah, well, he is in a lot of the spinoffs. Nikolai is in a lot of the spinoffs set in Ra- Raccoon City. I th- I think it's because he's like a like a generic bad guy, but he's also kind of like very supporting villain for yeah. spinoffs. Like he's a perfect spinoff guy. Yeah. Well, he's also not, like, on a schedule compared to, like, Birkin or Nemesis. Yeah, it's where there's defined moments they have to be somewhere, yeah. Yeah. If 3 Remake can be a more linear 2 Remake, I think that would make me happy. I think you'd be happy. We'll see. I I, I think you're going to be happy if that's the case. Yeah. Um, now, that being said, there is another game after that. What are you anticipating with Resident Evil 8? With 8, I kind of want it to be a fun house. Because I think, uh, based on all like the promotional material I've seen, um, like I like this idea of there are like four lords, and they each have their own like monster gimmick. Like there's werewolves, there's vampires, there's, a, I guess, a doll. If like each of those areas have like their own unique flavor and enemies and, I don't know, mechanics, then that I will find very fun. I... I think you're going to go into these games at least with proper expectations. So I'm we'll very pro. Like I'm very pro level variety. I am. I am a sucker for. Here's your snow level. Here's your desert level. Here's your fire level. Well, let me let me ask you in terms of Resident Evil Seven. Do you think that a, a heavier emphasis on action is going to be a good thing or a bad thing for you? And then for we'll see seven, how it plays out after. For seven, no, because that was a much smaller story. Like, so you're going by story. I mean, I'm just thinking in terms yeah, of like first like, person Resident Evil. 
because the way the way I describe the game is it's very uh, Resident Evil Four meets Seven. So okay, like, there's there's I... heavier emphasis on action. It, to me, that sounds like a good recipe for success. Yeah, if um if eight can be a just a bigger seven, then I'm totally on board for that. Because right. seven feels as much as I like seven, it does feel like a stepping stone. It feels like a taste for a more creative, bigger game. This scale, the scale was definitely downsized, and then it's like okay. You know, it's one of those things when a franchise blows up so much. After after six, there's no more blowing up. So you have to deflate. And then once mm-hmm. you've deflated, you got to inflate again. Yeah. Yeah. So, so such it is. Yeah. Hashtag inflation. Oh, my gosh. You know, at, at the very least, I'm thankful there wasn't a Wiimote uh, inflation accessory add-on. The Wiimote bike pump? There we go. Yeah, that that sounds like a warrior wear thing. I think that is a warrior wear move. Okay, your your idea going into the new era is that you're going to bring a topic for us to discuss, a generic gamer topic. Y- yeah, I mean, okay. Look, here's the thing: is I have always had a problem with um, the hot take minute Animal Crossing segment. Pavlos and I have spent an eternity trying to find something to fill the void in between <laughs> what you play in. And the the game of the week. Okay, and and we're too we're too lowbrow to do like gaming news. No, yeah, we're not doing gaming news. Fuck that. That that shit's dumb. <laughs> that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So instead, we're gonna be talking about the nunchuck. <laughs> the nunchuck. The wee nunchuck. I'm surprised they called it that. Well, it's nunchuck shaped. It's friend shaped. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Like, okay, so what what was your opinion on the Wii as a as a controller, the Wii Mote, and then the accessories, the general accessories before we get weird? Uh, I really like the Wii Mote and Nunchuck. The Wii Mote on its own, I could give or take, depending on the game. And for circumstances where you didn't really want to use the Wii Mote and Nunchuck, that's what the classic controller was for. Granted, the classic controller cost like forty dollars. And then more if you wanted it with grips. Um, but I think what the Wii really unlocked, and I can see this in the Switch's development, is Nintendo realized people like to play games with their arms slack at their sides. That's fair. That makes sense. And that's that's really comfy. And then, yeah, the Switch does that. Yeah. Um, like, you know what? With the Wii, it was always satisfying to shake it, to make Mario spin or have Link slash his sword. Um, I was never really big on the Wii as a simulator. Or, or like a one-to-one accurate uh, um, movement thing. Because yeah. initially, without the Wii Motion Plus, it is just recognizing whether or not you're shaking it, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you prefer it when it's just a casual shake it instead of a, a, a... You're not a fan of Skyward Sword is what you're trying to tell me. I never played Skyward Sword because I didn't want to do that. <laughs> that makes sense. Okay, yeah, that's where we are. Okay, okay. Um, I I think they probably did try to embrace the gimmicks too much. Here's my problem with the Wii thing was it was just that the games didn't offer oftentimes because I did have like the classic controller. The games mm-hmm. often didn't offer alternatives for the thing. So like 
playing Donkey yeah. Kong Country Returns, you'd have to play with the Wiimote and the Nunchuck. And I like it, but also when I do the ground pound thing, I don't want to shake the thing every time. If I could, I'd just use a normal controller. And that, yeah. that was the moment where I miss having the option. But generally mm-hmm. speaking, yeah, I like the combo. Yeah, I think sometimes having it tied to a shake did not always work ideally because, you know, when you're in the heat of the moment, you like, you know, you shake your arms around, especially if you're a sugar-filled child. Uh, I remember very distinctly in, like, Twilight Princess, I shook the Wiimote in, like, panic for, like, uh, what was it, like, it was the stupid mission where you have to defend uh, the carriage on the back of Epona. Yeah. And I was, like, shaking the Wiimote, like, go faster, horse. And instead, Link was just slashing his sword about, which does slow the horse down. That may be a personal uh, issue. Here's the thing I just realized, is I realized you're younger than me. Oh. When it hit that point, like, I was old enough to not do that. Yeah, well... Sometimes you get passionate, you know. I will you get say, passionate about Twilight Princess specifically. I will say, and I, you may believe it, um, the Wii port of Resident Evil Four is amazing because I what what really is good about the Wiimote is the uh, light gun aspect of it. Yeah, and and with Resident Evil Four, like you're able to properly do the move with the nunchuck. But then, in terms of the aiming, instead of, like, stiffly moving the laser sights, you have the light gun cursor, and it just feels so seamless. I've definitely heard that uh, the Wiimote was amazing for shooters. I had Goldeneye. I didn't play it a lot because I didn't like that port of Goldeneye. (laughs) Yeah, they added Daniel Craig and made it, like, a remake. Like, they literally remade Goldeneye. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Did it still have Sean Bean, though? No. It has the literal plot. It's literally the same movie, but it's like... It's a redux, but Daniel Craig is there. I could have sworn they got Sean Bean back, but... I, may, we'd have to check afterwards. I'm pretty sure they didn't. Okay. Because otherwise I would have been more excited. But um, that being said, what about further extensions into uncharted territory for the week so additional plastic crap yes additional plastic crap so like i had the wii wheel yeah for mario kart and i used that exclusively for mario kart did you use it actively for mario kart yes anytime it was like let's play mario kart i call the wheel see i didn't like it at a certain point i don't like because like it still does like an auto correct thing i didn't i never liked that stuff i'd rather be responsible for mistakes than than the computer or like the tech trying to compensate for me so like okay i i I usually gave up on the wii the wheel immediately i liked the wheel because it made turning feel i don't know if precise is the exact word but i could Uh, not even that it felt like i could really like feel the difference between turning slightly and turning hard as opposed to like moving the analog stick where you know there's only like a half inch of clearance yeah for like the difference between turning hard and turning soft i think that sort of immersion aspect worked well for motion controls on the wii that that makes sense um did you ever do the uh 
Did you ever do the, like the rubber thing? The ru- Oh, the 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 guard. Yes, yeah. the guard. Like when the when the Wii first came out, um, it didn't have that, and then like I just I just kept using it, and then after a while, they started giving warnings regarding whether or not you're gonna like lose the Wiimote and then it's going to hit a TV or something. Yeah. And then at a certain point in time, they just started like mailing those rubber gloves like for free. And then at some point in time, they just included it with like most Wii motes. No, I got the Wii pretty, pretty late in the game. I got it for brawl. Oh yeah. Brawl is a classic. I'm sure you played it with the, the nunchuck. I did. I did play with the nunchuck. That's insane. That's madness, Murph. Why? Why? <laughs> do I have to explain I, myself? I still. Wh- do I need to be good at brawl? <laughs> no, it's just like. It's just like. Here's the one problem with the nunchuck. I can't believe we're arguing about this. This is like the first <laughs> argument. The problem with the nunchuck is is that it feels extraneous at some points. It's like yes, there's the casual element of it being like by your sides, but the there's there's an element to it that is meant to obfuscate precision. Instead of it being what? a standard controller with specific inputs, there's there's a lack of cer- certain buttons or like it's just it's just the way it is. There's space between you and the 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 device. Does that make sense? I'm trying to say it in a way that makes I, sense, and it may not. I don't really follow. Or... I guess what I'm trying to say is, is I would rather a normal controller instead of a controller with gimmicks for something that requires precision. I see. For a more traditional game, it requires a traditional controller. Yes, and I mean, I'm okay even with, like, Donkey Kong Country Returns having that. Or I think Mario Galaxy with the Wiimote and Nunchuck is perfect. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just an issue when it's like, I need all of my inputs to be correct, and I need, I need it to be quick and fluid. So you wouldn't play Sekiro on the Wii? I would not play Sekiro on, with a <laughs> Wiimote and Nunchuck, no. Would you play it with the baby mama baby controller? <laughs> Here's what I was actually going to ask about that. Is how toxic do you think the the mama series is? That's where I wanted to go with the Wii Baby Mama, mama se- Interactive Baby Wiimote. I I've never been in the mama series, cooking or otherwise. I in my house we say not the mama. That's what I'm wondering is I'm wondering if it's just the brand and like if you play the game there is a a, a cooking dad like if there's a cooking dad and it's just like the mama's the face of the thing I'd be a little bit more okay with it. It just feels really yeah. like regressive to just be like oh yep yeah, here we're taking care of the baby rock the baby back and forth. Mhm. Well uh, the baby facilitates many games, which real babies don't do that. I think if they did, more women would want to be mothers. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> um, the other thing I was going to ask is... So I'm looking at a diagram of this thing, and you just shove the Wiimote like, up its diaper, yeah. it looks like. And then it's just a doll with a Wiimote in it. <laughs> you know, I, I always wondered like why dolls focus so much on... Um, 
they, they focus on bodily functions like dolls like if you look at a baby doll they, they throw up or they poo yeah and like that's like the appeal that's like the whoa cool new feature it poos uh-huh. so i'm yeah. like why is this the fun thing because babies aren't fun <laughs> contrary to rugrats <laughs> Babies are not fun. But but here's the thing. Contrary to Rugrats, Rugrats is a show for kids. If you made a toy for kids, you don't have to be accurate. I guess. But if you made like a toy of Tommy Pickles, he wouldn't. He he. Yeah, you'd want him to pee as a feature because that's one of his iconic attacks. <laughs> that's one of his uh, iconic moves. That's one of his. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's why they haven't put him in the Nickelodeon Smash game yet. You know, it's a missed opportunity that the Wiimote is on the Nintendo console because I could just imagine peeing, like pissing, as like a mini game function. That's like a that's like a WarioWare mini game. Was that not a thing in No More Heroes? I think it is. Now that you say that, that makes it jinking off is a thing in No More Heroes. So at the yeah, very least, also- there's that. I don't remember if the pissing was it, but that sounds like it. Yeah. Or you had to use it as, like, a cell phone. I remember that. Yeah, you do a bunch of goofy shit. Now that you say that, man, No More Heroes is good. That's going to be a DD cast game one day. Anyways, the last thing I was going to talk about was the gun peripherals. Yes. There were quite a few ways to shoot a man on the Wii. Did you play any shooters on the Wii? Goldeneye. (laughs) Did Goldeneye have Uh, an accessory? It had the gold classic controller. At least they had a classic controller. I can't even be mad at that. That sounds uh, good. No, 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 wait. The um, the shooting minigame in Rayman Raving Rabbids. Okay, there you go. All right. <laughs> With the plunger gun. There you go. Um, I never played Link's Crossbow Training. I played Red Steel. Red Steel was like the shooter I played. Okay. Um, yeah. I also... This is going to sound so stupid. I th- I'm pretty sure I played Call of Duty 3, the big red one, on Wii. Oh. On the Wii? Yeah. Hmm. I did know kids that had, like, the Nerf game, where it was, like, a Nerf gun you stuck a Wiimote into, but also it still worked as a Nerf gun. The game was bad, so they just got a free Nerf gun. Two free Nerf guns, actually. It came with two. That's awesome. I'm okay with that. Oh, you know, there was also, like, the Wii Fit thing, and then there was the uh, skateboard. Did you see the skateboard? I've seen the skateboard. I feel like that's easy to break. Mm-hmm. Anything you're stepping on, you'd want it... You, I, I'd just be worried about breaking it. Well, I mean, like, my thing with the skateboard is, is if you're going to go through the effort of, like, standing on top of a board and pretending to skateboard and you need some sort of coordination to do that. The reason why I'd play a skateboarding game is I have zero physical hand-eye coordination. You know uh, what I mean? So, like, I wouldn't I can, bother. Yeah. If, if I was to pick up a Wii board, I would rather just literally learn skateboarding. Yeah. No, that's that's totally fair. Because, uh, like, how do you even, how do you even like, initiate, like, a kickflip in that? Well, well, like, well, like, my thing is, is, like, also, like, around that time, like, skate was getting big. So, like, they were really getting into um, precision skateboarding. Simulated. Yeah, like, simulation, precision, like, oh, you can move the stick slightly and that's going to affect your... But the, the secret to Tony Hawk's Pro Skater was, like, the arcade element. 
Yeah, I was about to say, I'd rather have, like, the... I, I don't want, like, sport simulator games. I, I think those those would work, just not for skateboarding. Because skateboarding is very clearly, like, I'm doing tricks. And if you're doing tricks as the primary mode of sport, then it should mm-hmm. be showy. It should be, you know, like, yeah. flamboyant. Darth Maul should be a playable character. Yes, Jango Fett and Doom Guy should be playable characters. Is the ultimate mm-hmm. answer here. That's was there a Nintendo skating game? I don't think there was. What do you mean by skating game? Was there like a Mario skateboarding thing, or did I hallucinate that? No, there was like a Simpsons skateboarding, and there was a Disney skateboarding game. Okay, but not a Mario one. Mario's never Mario's never like busted a, a heel flip. Mario did like hoops he did basketball well yeah he did hoops but only three on three (laughs) it was a good game it wasn't bad it was it was it had the cactus from final fantasy yeah and yeah i like black mage black mage could play basketball that was my argument for black mage getting in smash bros well yeah white mages can't jump (laughs) okay there we go that's a good that's a good note right there this is the high quality content that the fans demanded okay the fans are like we need murph we need his contextless references we need him mispronouncing words for no reason i think we're ready to move to like the the topic of the week right yeah yeah well the topic of the week um does play into the wii's design yeah 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 um that that was that was ultimately the reason why I chose that is because this is a very Wii centric game. The game of the week is Epic Mickey for the Nintendo Wii, released in 2010. I guess I'll go over the minor history and then I'm going to switch it over to you for the Oswald part. But in 2004, basically Disney uh, got a group of undergrad interns to think tank scenarios for their, you know, properties. And one of them was how to make Mickey cool again. Um, <laughs> let me ask you Murph, immediately. I, you like cartoons. I think it's clear. Like you're a cartoon guy. At what point yeah. do you think Mickey stopped being cool? Um, probably, probably when he became the source of I don't, I don't want to say goodness, but when he became like the, like the nuclear family, <laughs> like neighbor next door. He he got sanitized, is what you're saying. Yeah, when he was, uh, when he didn't have any jokes. I think is the best way to put it. When he was the straight man. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And bookmark that because we will probably be talking about that in a little bit. But basically, they came up with a concept where where it was like a wasteland um, with Disney iconography everywhere. And it's all in ruins and decaying. And Mm -hmm. um, it was like Mickey in this wasteland of forgotten characters. And so they would pull characters from different aspects of disney's uh history 
and like most iconic would be probably phantom blot who got like a radical redesign for this game and the concept art but also they uh really emphasized in the pitch uh oswald the lucky rabbit and if you want to talk about mm -hmm. oswald and you know your stuff go ahead well uh oswald uh for those in the know is like the the proto primordial Mickey Mouse. He's the he's the character Walt Disney came up with before Mickey, and he was insanely popular. Uh, and he could have been a Mickey Mouse level star, except Walt at the time was working for the studio. I don't think it was called Universal yet, but it was like Universal Studios. Um, and he wanted to negotiate a pay raise so he could make more Oswald cartoons with like higher grade animation, and they said no get out, we're keeping the rights to your character. And so Walt made a new character, another little rodent, called Mickey Mouse. And, well... The rest is the history. The rest is history. Yeah, yeah, yeah the rest yeah. is... Um, I like Oswald, though. In terms of design, the thing... I, I watched some cartoons in preparation for this. Um, The thing I liked most about Oswald as a cartoon is that he actively utilizes his rabbit. -ness. Uh huh. Whereas, like, yeah. Mickey's mouseness is sort of just like, uh, everyone's a mouse. Bada bing, bada boom. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, Oswald yeah. uses his his tail. He uses his uh his little his tail, ears. his ears. He he has you know like all these little aspects inform the character in general. Yeah, and I think that's just mainly because he comes from that different time of, uh cartoons when they could like you know a, a character could just pull their arm off and use it as a boomerang yeah for shits and giggles yeah and i mean um, like mickey mickey still like hit that era but like you'll you'll even see in the old mickey cartoons he doesn't utilize those aspects of his character he mostly just shifts his body around in different ways you know what i mean yeah anyways um oswald obviously by that point wasn't owned by disney however with this pitch and the the general idea of the game being good enough for Disney, it was one of the primary motivating factors in the acquisition of Oswald. Do you remember, do you know, like, in your research, I didn't get the name. They traded, like, an ESPN anchor for Oswald. Yeah, because Disney had just bought ESPN. Yes, or something um, like that, yeah. Yeah, and so they had this, uh, like, this sports commentator, I, I don't know his name, and they basically said, "We'll give you the human for the fictional rabbit." That's a good. That's a good trade by Disney's part. The dude dies eventually. Uh, yeah. Well, for all intents, like you know, it's easy to crack jokes. Like, what must it be like to be that guy? But he's pretty positive about the whole thing. And also, he wanted to work for NBC. That was the motivating factor for trading him specifically. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure working for Disney's not actually fun. <laughs> um. Disney ended up taking the, the pitch and uh, acquiring Junction Point Games and Warren Spector, who previously worked on like, he was like an all-star guy. He worked on, he was like in Ion Storm and stuff. His biggest claim to fame was Deus Ex, um, which was a morality sci-fi uh, complex story game. Um, and a little game called Thief, the Dark Project, which faithful listeners may recognize from a previous episode. Excelsior episode. I don't remember. True believers. <laughs> um, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. Spectre was also an animation history major in college. Um, I didn't. 
is in the Game Informer article. I don't remember what his thesis was, but his thesis was definitely on cartoons. I, I don't yeah. think it was Mickey. But anyways. No, he's he's a pretty hardcore buff. Yeah, yeah I mean, clearly by at some point. But anyways, um, when did you hear about this game? So I heard about this game. I was uh, dog-sitting my neighbor's pugs while they were out of town, and their son had left the copy the November issue of Game Informer in the bathroom that was about Epic Mickey. And I sat there on the toilet till my legs fell asleep reading it. And then I took it to school and read it some more. And I was like, oh, my, this is going to be the best game ever made. Um, and I followed the development pretty darn closely. I watched all the interviews. I watched the development footage. I got it on launch day. There you go. This really is like a spore for you. Oh, it's it's one of the it's one of the spores in my life in more ways than one. It, there's no hug monster in this. I did not go on the Epic Mickey forums and create a pedophile. <laughs> oh God! Ooh, readers consult the spore episode for that side story. Anyways, um, yeah, my exposure was the Game Informer article as well. But like, they did leak concept art. I remember because I was like a little bit older than you. I remember because I would go on Kotaku and I would go on other mm. gaming sites. The concept art was flying around before the Game Informer article was. So um, yeah, so people got to see the. Um, the wasteland stuff and like a lot more of the mature stuff. So people were like, Oh, what the fuck is this? What, what's Mickey mouse doing here? Um, and yeah. then, and then when even on the game informer release, people were already disappointed. Anyways, let's go over the core mechanics and the story of the game. Basically yeah. you're Mickey mouse and you've entered the painted uh-huh. world of forgotten Disney characters and Oswald is King. You were yes. the cause years ago of a thinner disaster and you, you created the phantom blot and um, him, Oswald and the mad doctor in different ways team up to try to steal Mickey's heart. And your goal for a large portion of the game is to escape. But eventually you team up with Oswald to stop the mad doctor and eventually stop the phantom blot, who is the ultimate antagonist. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You have a paintbrush in the game with your Wiimote so you can aim at it and you can shoot. It's, it's a shooter. <laughs> Not really, but it's like a platformer. Um, you have a paintbrush that uses paint or thinner and you use this on enemies or specific portions of the environment to reveal objects or platforms. Or if you use it on an enemy, if it's thinner, it will kill them. And if it's uh, paint, it will turn them good. So um, this plays into a morality system, which we will go over um, in a little bit. But that being said, let's go ahead and turn this to open discussion. Murph, what did you think of Epic Mickey? I don't think this is a good game. <laughs> okay. All right. No, that's fair. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I think it was a good game in 2009. I think as a platformer, the platforming is floaty and imprecise. I think the... I think the levels are very dull in a lot of places, uh, particularly in, like, the puzzle aspect. Because the game has a lot of puzzles, a lot of, like, oh, find the five gears in order to open the door. And, you know, it, it wants to have this idea of you can tackle problems in a multitude of different ways. Like, maybe you'll use thinner on a wall and find a secret tunnel, and that has a solution in it. 
but more often than not this the easiest solution is just find the gremlin in the level and free them and they'll do the puzzle for you out of yep. gratitude yep 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 like a lot of okay so here's here's my core the core complaint for me and like everything else is side stuff is the heavy <laughs> emphasis on the morality stuff number one doesn't have any real consequences to it tangibly um nope. and then like in regards to mission structure um a lot of the answers can be easily done by yeah finding a gremlin paying someone tickets instead of doing the thing a lot of it is bypassing content or choosing to do the content and yeah. if you are me i choose to bypass content most of the time yeah no there's like um a, a, a fine example is in one of the later levels the um the the haunted mansion based level because all the levels are based on like disneyland rides yeah um and the stretching room puzzle where you have these three paintings that you have to go inside and spin gears to make them like line up yes and that's a very agonizingly like unnecessarily complicated puzzle and the true solution is inside one of the paintings is a gremlin and if you free free the gremlin he'll do the puzzle for you i i guess i died on that puzzle five times before I found the gremlin and decided just to use the gremlin. I guess that was my problem with the gremlins is, is okay. So the game will, okay. The game will reward you for exploring. So like once you explore an area and you've done the exploration bit, you don't need to do the actual activity. Or mm -hmm. if you do the activity, like another example would have been like, without those sense of consequences, I went for the easiest thing, even if it was the bad thing. The only reward to um doing paint or thinner is if you're doing it on a boss you get an extra slot in the um thing you did it in yeah and then you get to increase your paint meter or your thinner meter and and then if you filled up like a little bar on your near your health um with paint or thinner can't be both and you've like leveled it up you get little wisp guardians that um can aid you but that being said, that is not enough for me to uh, look at a scenario and think, oh, I'm, I'm going to do the harder thing instead of the easier thing. Um, th the game is not like built for that stuff. Um, to go into other aspects I personally found bad before I try to defend the game, I think I mm -hmm. liked this game more than you did. Um, the things I didn't like was, okay, so in terms of art... Um, because they're, the platforms and everything, the, all the items that relied on thinner or paint, you have to mm -hmm. be able to clearly see what is paintable or yes. not. So they had to make it ugly. <laughs> like, like the base area has to be grayed out and gross, and then the things you can paint has to be colorful. But this makes the art style look very uh, disgusting. That's, that's the nice way to say it. <laughs> Especially since levels don't save what you've painted. Yes. So, like, a fine example is, like, I don't know, any of the hub areas have, like, houses you can paint and make them, like, as bright and colorful as they're meant to be. But then you leave that level and come back, and all the bits you painted in have just reverted. Yeah, yeah, and, and like, and I'm, I'm not going to knock on the game super hard but like if you're gonna double down on like your moral choices work there are side quests where it's like can you paint my house mickey and then like if yeah. you paint the house and it fucking goes away the next fucking time i walk in what why did you make me do this quest what have what yeah what, what hell hath you wrought you know what i mean yeah um, it's just 
with the morality, it, the, the question is always like, well, why wouldn't you? Like, like you go into the Gremlin village and Gus, your Gremlin companion, is like, oh, my house is b- destroyed. Mickey, can you paint my house? And it's like, well, why why wouldn't you? It, it takes there's two no, seconds to like aim the Wiimote and then shoot there's the no, thing. There's no consequence for, there's no reward for not painting the house. It's not like Gus's evil brother-in-law comes up and says, wait a minute, if you don't paint his house, I'll, I'll squeeze your tail. Like, <laughs> the best the best moment where I actually sat and thought about it was when I uh, made the animatronic Goofy and he opened Hortensia's house and I got the mm-hmm. locket. And the okay. locket was apparently worth a lot of money if I took it to the store and sold it. But I could have given it to Oswald and Oswald rewarded me. Um, that yeah. was the only time where I was like, what should I do? And that was... And even then, the reward for like 200 tickets or whatever is not, it's not important at all. No one gives a shit. Because, yeah, there's nothing really to spend your tickets on. No. Other than, there... other than sparks, which are used to power the, um, the projectors, which is how you get from area to area. Each projector is like a 2D side-scroller based on a classic Mickey Mouse cartoon. Before each area, it's like, collect me five sparks so I can get you into the new area. It's like, you can do side quests to do that, or you can pay a guy. I paid a guy. I, I did, like, one or two side quests. I would do, like, the Gilder race. Um, I, I, mm. I would once in a while talk to somebody. Sometimes they just hand you sparks. Uh, but I never had yeah. an issue with sparks, um, like, at all. Um, I, I guess the other thing I wanted to tackle was in regards to um, just, like, collectibles. There's no rewards for anything. So, like, when no. I was collecting pins, so, like, in most platformers, the reason why they're collectathons and the reason why they're satisfying is because each little separate item builds towards something. Either you open a yes. door or you do this or that. If they're just an arbitrary collectible, it means nothing for me to waste my time and go over there and pick it up. And and sometimes they are worth it, I think, concept art would is cool enough um it's Mm -hmm. pins where i'm like oh i really don't care um i wish that they fleshed out things more i wish that they um added they didn't have to add they had two cartoons available as uh, unlockables but that being said they could add more they he had access to the entire disney library um, I'm sure they wouldn't yeah. have wanted him to make a fucking huge thing, but like you could have put more cartoons in. You could have put other types of art in. There, they do mm-hmm. use a lot of licensed Mickey Mouse art, such as comic book covers or game things. You could use that sort of art stuff in the side sections as a reward. Yeah, I I would totally collect a comic book cover from the '70s. I think that would be mm-hmm. cool, or like a costume for Mickey Mouse. And they ended up doing that for. A, epic mickey too so like i just want i just want rewards for things i do yeah i think when i was going through i think this game needs unlockable moves i can see that yeah because the it's like you have you can you can spin attack you can spray paint or you can spray thinner and that's like that's like it and I feel like if all those pins you're collecting, if you could exchange those for like, oh, now you have like a, a, I don't know, a 360 paint blast. 
I wish I wish there were more AOEs. Now, technically speaking, there were options for you to deal with like crowds or whatever, like the TV, like the TV sketch. Those things yeah. allowed you to deal with that stuff. But yeah, there was no way to like use your paint to deal with a horde of enemies. You just basically, mm -hmm. the way you attacked one enemy at the start of the game is pretty much how you attacked the same enemy because there's not that much enemy variety um, near the end of the game. Especially since the main way to deal with your most common enemies is just knock them off a ledge. Yes, that's the fastest way. It's not even worth pointing your Wiimote at. Yeah, and then you have enemies like the Beetle Warks, which are, like, animatronic enemies, and you have to, like, destroy their paint armor with thinner and then hit a weak point. But those guys are a pain in the ass to fight. Yeah, they're not fun. They're, they're, it's not enjoyable, yeah. Because for whatever reason, like, the hit detection on their weak spot is so, like, spotty. No pun intended. I will complain about one more thing, and it's in regards to the platforming and the floatiness. I think it's most evident in those uh, movie sections where you don't mm -hmm. use your thinner and you're literally just jumping around. When it turns all 2D, it becomes very clear the physics of the game. And I think sometimes the physics of the game, like I think the floatiness is meant to have to give Mickey an extended jump height. But you know what they should have done, in my opinion, and I tried to use it, was when he does the spin, I would much rather it be like a Mario oh. Galaxy thing where that spin gives you a little bit extra air. I would rather that instead of like the 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 complete jump. It feels like Halo. Yeah. Well, it's just like in a game where the idea is, is that the, the environment is destructible, um... It just leads to some really inconsistent platforms. Like, some things have a lip on them that Mickey can't quite get over. And then, it's like it's like Sekiro, in a way. Because there was a ledge in one of the 2D sections, I remember I was, like, trying to jump up on. And I'm like, am I doing something wrong? It seems like I should be able to jump up on that. And then, on the fifth jump, I was able to get on it. Yeah. Even though I wasn't changing anything. I think maybe I moved over where the elevation was slightly higher. It, yeah, it's just the minute, like, you needed to be more precise, but this game does not call for it. The game does not, like, the game does not really ask that of you. And then, like, there are moments where you need to do it. Let me ask you this. How often, in an area where there's, like, a pool of thinner or a river of thinner, how often did you just bounce Mickey's butt across the thinner rather than All doing the, the platforms? All the time. Yeah, because there's no consequence. Health pickups are everywhere. The yes. damage you take... And it's faster. Mickey moves real fast when he's burning his ass. Yeah. No, yeah, and again, it's a real problem. Yeah, I wish there was a there was a way to run. If there was a way to like really move oh. around the map in a fast way. Because like that yeah. was what was agonizing to me was just running as Mickey. Was like going going from the normal town to Oz Town to Mickey Junk Mountain, like going all the way is just feels so slow. Especially when you gotta like going from Oz Town, Mean Streets to Oz Town. You got to go through the projector. You got to watch the animation of Mickey jumping into the projector. And since it's Oz Town and the the short is Mickey through the Looking Glass, then you got to watch an animation of Mickey jumping through the Looking Glass. Yeah, no, that. Yeah, if if I wish there were, you said it earlier to me privately. You wish there was fast travel. I think that was essential. I think that specific thing is inexcusable. That specific I, translation, that link, it needs to be streamlined. I think it could be really solved if it was like if you collect the film reel inside the tradition uh the 2D section then Maybe you can skip, skip that 2D section. Oh yeah, cuz like the film reel is the hard part of the level. 
Yeah. Like, that's the challenge of the thing. And then otherwise, you're just walking from point A to point B. I mean, yeah, we'll get into the concept down the line, but I just think on the gameplay side, it's just very disappointing and very vanilla. Okay. It's, if this wasn't like a Mickey Mouse game, it would be so generic and forgotten like Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Okay, all right, all right. Now now it's time. With, with that being said, I am now going to open my defense lawyer case. Well, okay. well let me ask. When you say you this is a bad game, what do you mean by that? Like, I just like can you give me a number or something so I know like how serious you're Oh, being? I think that this is like a... I think that this is a high four, a low five. That's crazy to me. That's not. That's I think not this crazy. is saved purely by its premise. It's saved purely by Oswald. I just didn't have fun. Okay. Well, let me ask you: Do you like do you do you compare this to other platformers in this sense? Like, I mean, obviously, to me, this does not compete with action like with Nintendo platforms like it does not compete to a Mario it doesn't even compete to like it, a Banjo-Kazooie or anything but like it doesn't compete to a Jack and Dexter it doesn't compete to a uh a Sly Cooper no but like all of those are A-list is here's my thing okay like when you say those uh, those what, you are want all... me compared to Gex you want me compared to Croc yes no okay <laughs> <laughs> no, but here's the thing, though, is is like in in the grand scheme of things, to me, this is probably mm-hmm. one of the better Mickey Mouse games for me. Now, I don't think this is the best Mickey Mouse game, but um, to me, this is a solid Mickey Mouse game. And a lot of it, like when you say if it didn't have these things, it wouldn't be good. Absolutely. But the game started out as the pitch. It was not let's yeah. make a shitty paint and thinner game no it was let's make a mickey mouse game you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so like i think that is intrinsic the pitch is intrinsic to the game and like yeah the paint and thinner stuff and the platforming are a little fucking spotty but i think there are cameras bad there are moments oh yeah the camera's bad the okay well one of the problems with the wiimote nutchuck thing to call back Mm -hmm. to me being right is you don't have a camera a good camera control you only have one stick and you and then you have a deep Yes. Well, it's just the, the camera moves so slow. Yeah, and then there's sometimes where it gets stuck because you're in a corner and it the game doesn't want you to move the camera. Like, the game yeah. wants you to do a certain thing, so then it'll pan it. Like, that sucks. Yeah. Um, I was I was going to say, the thing I like about this game are the moments where it feels inspired. Like, when we played Resident Evil 6, you, like, the way you said it to me was, like, you like you like the good things in something. And for this, I can see a lot of good things that a normal kids game or even a normal Mickey game would not have. This is the type of game Disney would never make ever again. Probably to me, at least. Okay. I I, I think this is a, something that was like probably really, really cool for them to do. This was a creative risk, even if it is dumbed down from what the pitch was. But when you say it's not a game Disney would make again, are you speaking of the concept or are you speaking of the gameplay? The concept. Okay, because I'm still thinking of the gameplay. Oh, no, the game... Okay, look, I'm not going to defend the And if the the gameplay gameplay is bad, then it's a bad game. I disagree, Murph. (laughs) I disagree. Okay. Because, like, that is a portion of the game. Now, admittedly, it is, like, probably 80% of the game. I'm not saying that yeah. this game is like an 8 out of 10. This game is probably, to me, a 6. If I had to give this a number, I would give it a 6. Okay. Um, I, I think it is special enough. I, I think if you have any vested interest 
in Mickey Mouse or this kind of platformer, you should play this game. I would not disrecommend this game. Um, yeah, like. <sighs> but that being said, um, the th- like there are moments where this game particularly shines. There are things I don't like about it, even in the story sense. I don't like that there's no voice acting. That kind of really mm-hmm. sucks. It's all mostly mutters, and you have to read the cutscene. That sucks. I don't like that. But like there are moments where they do a really good job with Oswald. I think they did a good job with Oswald. I think Mickey Junk Mountain is a really good level that fulfills yeah. the original uh, vision of the game. Um, and then like I don't like Disney World or Disneyland that much, but they still <laughs> um, inform the tr- the the uh, the locations with other elements. Like Tomorrowland has Tron elements to it, so like mm-hmm. Petronic has like a Tron suit to it. And like, I sort of like those aesthetic vibes or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they add Peter Pan to the pirate stuff. So like, and I like Pete Pan, like I like peg leg Pete. The, the Pete sections are funny to me. I like the different versions of Pete. It's like mm-hmm. just little things like that. I enjoy. Yeah. No, I think like Mickey, you, you said all the things that like I liked about the game. I love Oswald's characterization in this. Uh, particularly how if you turn your back on him, he'll make faces at you. That's very funny. That's a nice dynamic thing. I think Mickey Junk Mountain is the best level conceptually. Mm -hmm. If if you haven't played the game, it's it's the Matterhorn, but it's made out of discarded Mickey Mouse merchandise. Yeah, yeah, and and that's really cool. Like, it is yeah. cool to sort of reflect on... Because, like, what Mickey, what Mickey Junk Mountain does and what I think the game does in general is it makes you think about Disney as a as a property and as a franchise and as a universe. And then it makes you think of Mickey Mouse as a character. It makes you think of Oswald as a character. And then it makes you think of Mickey as a brand. And it makes you wonder yeah. where it all went wrong and how to fix it. Yeah. Like, there are just... I will concede that there were flashes of, like... Like, pointing at the screen and going, oh, that's neat, like how the Petronic boss battle happens on Space Mountain. Yeah. Like, the platform you're standing on is Space Mountain. Or how you can unlock Walt's secret apartment in Mean Street slash Main Street. I, I just think, for a lot of the time, though, like, the vast majority of the levels, like, I don't know, Ventureland, it's, like... Just a jungle, like yeah, there are references to the tiki room and stuff, but there's not, they're not really, I don't know, fleshed out. I think this game could have used a lot more fleshing out. It feels like everything's just sort of done half measure. Well, well, I mean, like yeah, and even in terms of like content, I don't necessarily think they need to add more missions. They just need to have incentives. I think there should be fewer missions. I think. Yeah, yeah, there should be. I think speaking to an NPC and getting three quests to find random crap in levels is not satisfying. Or if it's like, hey, go talk to the person slightly up the street from here and see if they have the item that I need. Like, that's not fun because movement isn't fun. Like, if you're going to have fetch quests in a game, you need fun movement. Well, let me ask on a conceptual aesthetic level. How do you feel about the other characters other than Oswald? So, like, how do you feel about, so, like, Horus? So, can I, yeah, can I nitpick this game's premise? Go ahead and nitpick it. It's time. <laughs> so you can, you're free to interject. Uh, feel free to clarify everything I say with except for Oswald. Because Oswald is a good boy. I have, I have an Oswald plush. Last time I was at Disneyland, I got an Oswald. Okay. Um, so 
It's like the whole premise is this is where the forgotten Disney characters go, the the rejects, the ones who didn't like really become successful. And you go in and like, okay, there are the gremlins. The gremlins were never a cartoon. They were concept art. That's a great idea. Like Disney was going to make a movie about these like gremlins that fix and destroy planes. And Roald Dahl was uh, attached to it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's great. That's a, that's what this game should have been more of because you get into the main hub world and you encounter Pete. Pete is not a forgotten character. Um, and it, it, Pete actually predates Oswald because there's an even older Disney character called Julius the Cat um, who starred in a series of Alice in Wonderland shorts. And in those, Pete appears. Um and Pete's been in like goof troop and stuff. And they try to do this thing where there's like multiple Pete's. They have this like, it, it, they introduce this concept that's never followed up on is like, oh, every variation of a character that's not the famous variation is here, except that only applies to Pete. And then Horace Horsecollar and Clarabelle Cow are there. And it's like, yeah, but to me, those are more like D-list more than they are forgotten because even in their heyday, they were always supporting characters. Not Horse just, Horse Collar was never a headliner. Not just that, but like, okay, like this is going to be my nitpick. And I, okay, mm-hmm. number one, I'm going to say I honestly don't care. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Like, Pete is in. I like Pete. I like. I actually like Pete, and I don't mind like yeah. the 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 way they like have Captain Hook as like a major antagonist for the Tortuga Bay pirate stuff. I I honestly don't mind, even though obviously Captain Hook is not a forgotten Forgotten character character. by any means. Um, Honestly, I think it's fine that they utilize more recognizable imagery at points. Um, My problem is, is like, it's still like, yeah, they don't stick with certain things. Like even to Horace and Clarabelle, they sort of, number one, they sort of go like, yeah, we were in famous cartoons. Like they are, they cite, they, they cite the Mickey's cartoons review. they're in, number one, and they are not forgotten cartoons. Like, the band stuff, like, the, like that's a big cartoon that's yeah. even featured in the Mickey Mouse intro to Epic Mickey. So it's like, oh, clearly he remembers that. And then, yeah. and then my real problem is that I think in the story, Mickey's characterization is pretty shitty. And, like... In, like, a way that's not... Yeah. Like, I, I think when we can talk about how it how it didn't live up to its potential, Disney probably tried to interfere and control Mickey's image. They clearly didn't do that enough because Mickey is is pretty negligent and self-centered. In, in a way that's, like, very, like, telling. Yeah. It, like, for his heart, is like he forgets his friends. And that's, like, a, like, that's a weird take. You know what I mean? On the character. And and then, like, he also doesn't yeah. own up to the thinner mistake from the start of the game until until near the very end. You know what I mean? So, like, there are there are just, like, mm-hmm. a lot of moments where I go, like, yeah. th- this story feels really, di- like, bad or what have you. Well, yeah. And um, there are a lot of NPCs in this game. And yeah. most of them most are of them generic. are small variations of another NPC, yeah. And they say that by like, oh, those are all the background characters from the cartoons. It's like, okay, fine, but then you're going to do a reference to um, the Carousel of Progress, and it's like, oh, here's the host of the Carousel of Progress, and it's just this generic horse. It's like, well, why not make that the actual host of the Carousel of Progress? 
you know, I just... It feels like, back to my my main issue with this game, is I don't know who it's for. Because if you're a, a child, I don't know if you really care that Oswald the Lucky Rabbit has been forgotten by time. Most kids can't conceive their grandparents being young. And if you do care about forgotten characters, it's very surface level. It feels like when you go to like your local pub is having geek trivia night. And the questions are, who did Han Solo shoot in the Mos Eisley Cantina? Or, what is Hal Jordan's secret identity? You know, it just doesn't feel... It just feels half-assed. It's like, okay, you have Horace Horsecaller, Clarabelle Cow, where's Clara Cluck, who is from that same time period and even more forgotten. She wasn't on House of Mouse. She's not in uh, Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep, which released the same year as this. And has both Clara Cow and Horace Horsecaller in it. I agree on some level. On another level, part of me thinks that this is clearly a kid's game. I think this is a kid's game. I think the primary audience yeah. is children. Probably ages uh, 9 to 12. I would rec- I, I would. I would reckon. Okay. And like in yeah. terms of forgotten characters, I think, I think the forgotten characters thing is on that level marketing. And I think on a deeper level is just mm-hmm. for the inspired story and for possible enthusiasts. But that being said, largely speaking, it's an aesthetic yeah. marketing tool. Same exact thing with the morality system. The morality system is just a marketing tool to be mm-hmm. like, oh, your choices matter. Because that was really big around this time period. Oh my God, it was so huge. I'm Murph, I shit you not. I have bad taste in games. When I was a child, I got super mm-hmm. excited to play Sonic Adventure 2 Battle because Shadow was an evil hedgehog and I wanted to be evil. You could you could I could pick the evil you could story. Pick the evil story. And then I thought yeah. I was so morally complex that I could make these choices. I mm-hmm. think little baby Brogan is the audience for this game. Yeah. I think I think yeah, the morality system really does feel like a product of its time. Uh, particularly because a lot of the choices are, like, very black and white. Like, where I can't really conceive why you would pick the asshole decision. Um, other than you can't be arsed to care. Which is not a good reason to pick the bad decision. What was the worst thing you did? The worst thing I did? I didn't get all the animatronic pieces. I don't know if that counts. Well, I mean, same, but like, I, I was talking like, did you did you do anything specifically bad? I did. I did bad things. Uh, I defeated the Mad Doctor with Thinner. Uh oh. Okay. So, all right. So I like, oh, I let my phone die. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, I let the phone die. Phone died. Fuck, fuck the phone. No, I wasn't gonna do that quest. Hell no. Um, but the the other thing was is like I uh, there there was a pirate when you first get into Oztown Uh-oh. who's who wants you to paint the house. I just thinned the the rope to the safe and then I killed him. Yeah, I, that was easy for me. And, I, and here's the thing I was gonna say was um, I think it would have been better to and like this was the original concept. The original concept of the morality system was it was going to reflect on Mickey and sort of the history of Mickey and the identity of Mickey. So if you did good things, you would sort of resemble a more heroic, vanilla, you know, yeah. typical sanitized Mickey who's like all for friendship. <laughs> and yeah. like all that stuff. Whereas 
if you did evil stuff, you would have represented a more like primordial uh, scrapper Mickey back yeah. when he was more mischievous and wanted mm -hmm. to play pranks on people. Um, yeah. And and when you look at it in that sense, I do appreciate the idea of the pranks. However, this does not reflect in the presentation of the choices or does it have an actual effect on Mickey himself? Uh, again, the game was originally going to have Mickey change appearances based on those, and yeah. this did not happen. There's no there's no reflection in me killing a man for fun. I thought it was funny, and that was it. Yeah. I think... Um, well, also, just a lot of the choices don't really feel... Like, if, if that is the angle, a lot of the, the bad choices don't feel mischievous. They just feel like you being an asshole. Like, it's never... It's never presented as fun or funny. I mean, I guess I didn't kill the pirate with the safe, so I can't really judge there. Oh, you know what? When I did, I also gave... Because there was a side quest for... You know the guy... You know the pirate in Tortuga Bay that wants to give uh, the the girl... Yeah, this is what um, I originally thought you were talking about. I was... Yeah, I, I, gave, I gave the girl ice cream because she's lactose intolerant. I, I, I did that instead of the pie or whatever because I didn't want to do the fucking side quest or the flowers. I didn't get her flowers. Yeah. And in that cutscene, did it like, was Mickey acting real mischievous? Like, ha ha ha, this will ruin this bastard's life? Or no, was. And I guess that's the real criticism, right? Is like, to me, that's a mischievous choice where it's like, it would be funny if I fucked this guy's date up. Yeah. And, and then what happens is, is he gives the pirate the, the ice cream. And then she like tosses the ice cream in his face and he goes to sulk. And then Mickey stands there going, what, what happened? What did yeah. I do wrong? And mm -hmm. then it's like, okay, so he's not having fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like, none of the bad choices feel fun. Yeah. Whereas in Bioshock, if you murder a little sister, it's fun. It's just laughs and giggles the whole time. I've never killed a little sister. <laughs> oh my God. I, I don't really, yeah, I, I just never really saw the point of morality decisions in games where it's, like, just having a choice to pee a choice. Like, I don't know, the very first Infamous, where it's, like, you have uh, the narration where it's, like, well, I could give the, the food to the homeless, or I could keep <laughs> it all for myself. And it's, like, who thinks like that? Or, or Fable 3. Fable 3, where the choice is open a school or open a brothel. Yeah. Oh, man, you see, you're, you're talking to the wrong guy because it's Brothel City over here. Hey, I respect sex workers. Why is that the evil choice? Huh? Peter <laughs> Molyneux? Fair. No, but, like, I, I guess what I'm trying to say here is, is, like, okay, so, like, take Bioshock, for instance, mm -hmm. which was probably the poster boy for morality choices um, for a while. Um, now, objectively speaking, if you were to look at the meta of the game, um, being evil is actually a bad thing. Yes. You do not, like, you get, I think you get quantifiably more Adam, but that being said, you uh, lose out on specific and unique um, Perks. powers yeah. if, if, you, if you don't save them. So at, at the end of the day, you should save them. And also you get locked out of the good ending if you even kill one little sister. Yeah. So don't kill any little sisters, which uh, you can complain about subtlety or the numbers. But here is the thing is at least there, there are tangible 
consequences and choices. At least I can look at that and go, well, I want more Adam. Fuck those powers. Whereas in Mickey Mouse, there isn't even that. There's yeah. nothing. There's literally there's, nothing. There's no upgrades. There's no, all you get is more currency, which we've established doesn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's bad. It's like, it goes back to my uh, issue of like, why bother? Why bother doing platforming? Just bounce your ass across the fit thinner. Why, why bother solving the puzzle? Just free the gremlin. Like, it's just not engaging to play. And I think that's my, like, my core issue, other than, like, the conceptual thing. The only other, like, point I've written down about, like, the concept of forgotten characters that I didn't say is that it doesn't really justify remembering these characters. Save for Oswald, because Oswald I like. But it's like... Why should I bother remembering Clarabelle Cow? All she does is stand in her house making pies. Why should I bother remembering Horace Horsecaller? He's supposed to be this detective, but you do all the work for him. It's like if these characters were present in the plot and we saw how cool and interesting they are, then yeah, then they're they're worth remembering. But they don't, so they're not. I agree. No, no, that's that's totally on point. I I was going to ask, did you have a rant? for the gamers out there i i did have an uh, an idea for a rant for the gamers because okay. this, this is the time to say it so this game is like very often like put up as i don't know uh, the bastion of corporate censorship or what have you because you were saying there was this concept of, like, as you did more evil things, Mickey was going to be more evil. And if you go back, like, earlier press releases, he was supposed to re- resemble more of a rat in in I, the finished product. I don't even think necessarily that... Now, to be clear, like, in the Game Informer article, it doesn't necessarily reflect him as a rat. It reflects him more as, like, darker tint. Yeah. And then he looks a little bit more like classic Mickey. No, I no. wouldn't. I wouldn't call him a rat. I, I would. I would call him mischievous or whatever. No, I'm That's not it. citing any particular like article or release. I just remember that being the vibe on like forums back in the day. Sure. And even now, it's like always you see this thing about like, oh man, Epic Mickey. If only Disney didn't interfere, then we could have had this Deus Ex with Mickey Mouse. Um, <laughs> because Mickey Mouse needs Deus Ex. Uh, yeah, and it's just these all these ideas about what the game was supposed to be come from a very early article done in the game's development cycle. And concept art that, even according to Warren Spector, was not even supposed to be, like, released. That was all internal to see. And they made it as dark and as messed up as they could because then Disney would ask them to dial it back to what they actually wanted. Like, you see this concept art of, like, Epcot on the back of Monstro, who's beached and dead on a beach. Um, you know, that's like one of the famous pictures I saw getting passed around, being like, this is what the game could have been. And I think gamers need to understand that there is a difference between content that is cut after it has been written, after it has been modeled, animated, rigged, te- program tested, and content that is cut after it has been written and circled on a whiteboard during a brainstorming session. I agree with that. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, like to me, when I say Disney influences the scenario, it is, it is often like that to where they are probably cognizant of every choice they make. And it's not so much Disney breathing down their neck. And I don't even think this is like, if I was, if, if you asked me personally, how much do you think was cut from the game? I don't think it was, a lot of conceptual stuff. 
I mm-hmm. think what was cut from the game was content. Okay, because I've I've looked at like like Warren Spector did a Reddit AMA uh, a few years ago, and people asked him like, well, what happened with Epic Mickey? And Warren Spector always has positive things to say about Epic Mickey, particularly the dev cycle. He said that like Disney didn't really. Uh, control the process all that much. I, he jokes all the time about how they said you can't show Mickey Mouse's teeth. Um, and he considers like it one of the highlights of his career. So unless he's just a super chill guy, he doesn't seem like someone whose vision was destroyed by a corporate conglomerate entity monster. And and I will say, like, I did, when you look at the wiki wherever they cite the source or whatever, there are people who were on the think tank who mm-hmm. um, have their, like, LinkedIn's and, like, they've wrote about their experience conceptualizing the game. One of the people that conceptualized it literally said, like, it was eventually handed to Disney and it was eventually handed to Warren Spector, who made Epic Mickey, and it largely uh, was accurate and faithful to the original pitch. Yeah, I think... I've I watched a lot of interviews with Warren Spector up to the up to this where he's talking about all these ideas he wants to do and i can't help but see a little bit of hello games is sean murray in that in that you, he, yeah, he is promising I can see, I can see he is promising a lot like you go back and watch some concepts and he's like oh you'll be able to use these sketches to change okay. npc's behavior in the world and that will help okay you solve with this problems. framing with this framing do you think Warren Spector is more of a Sean Murray or is he more of a Peter Molyneux? I think he's more of a Sean Murray because at least Sean Murray like went back and like admitted to stuff or admitted yeah, that I mean, he, he over-promised. owned up to things and and Sean Murray did eventually on the dev cycle try to fix it. I mean No yeah. Man's Sky is a good game like yeah, it's great he now. didn't he didn't take the money and run, which he very easily could have. Whereas like Peter Molyneux, that guy promises impossible things. <laughs> like yeah. for lack of a yeah. better word, like drop an acorn in Fable and it will grow into a tree in real time. It's like what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I it just yeah, seems like the game was very ambitious for its britches. And I, I'm really trying not to come across like I'm defending Disney here because they don't need defending. But where I will, where I do see Disney's fault is they probably pumped a lot into the marketing for this and propped Warren Spector up as their like their like face because he's a very likable guy in interviews. It's just sometimes I think that he has he thinks things that are going to go into the game are definitely going to go into the game rather than are going to exist as something that was written down on a whiteboard during a brainstorming session. You know, yeah, I mean, I mean, if I think personally, I think since he was the director of the project, if he talked about it, it probably went further than conceptual. But like in terms of game development, I think what you're saying is absolutely accurate in that it is unfair for gamers to anticipate like the world. And yeah. then look at concept art and think this is what we're going to get, or this is what was robbed from. I us. think just that is where I think gamers can be entitled. Yeah, I think games are just announced way too early, in most circumstances. And like I say this as you know a fan of Spore, I say this as someone that watched like the Clown House that was No Man's Sky's initial release. I say this as someone that watched the Clown House that was the release of Cyberpunk. You know, yeah. it's just 
people just glom on to these details from interviews, these promotional materials for years because the game takes forever to come out. And when then it comes out, they're very shocked to see that things change in a creative process. Like, yes, Epic Mickey was supposed to have a, like, Mickey Mouse was supposed to change into the Scrapper character. Cyberpunk was supposed to have 300 different endings. I was supposed to have written the next great American novel by this point in my life. You know, shit happens. Sometimes things, things sh- don't shake out. Yeah, hey, things but change. Look on the bright side, you're on a podcast. Yeah, I'm on a podcast. <laughs> no, that's good enough, man. Don't worry about it. Anyway, like... I, that's just my overall point. It's just, you know... It, temper your expectations sometimes it's not the capitalism sometimes it's the creative process no but but here's but here is where i would i 90 percent agree with you however the 10 percent in my brain goes who do you think is doing these interviews and why do you think they're doing them it is Mm. it is like disney bringing out warren specter to be like isn't this game going to be cool yeah there's going to be a morality system don't you want to buy this cool mickey game and that is marketing yeah no the marketing angle is like where i put the blame pretty solely on disney like the development thing i'm kind of like 60 40 because like i said warren specter only has good things to say about the development cycle yeah, but, like, I mean, so, like, when we go into, like, expectations and, like, Peter Molyneux or just, like, or Cyberpunk 2077 is, is, like, a lot of this pre-digestive hype and, like, why games are revealed too early, it is it is to get you excited. So excited that you must spend $60 on the first day. On the pre-order, even. Yeah, or pre-order, and then it's like, okay, and we've got banked in cash. And Epic Mickey did have a, a collector's edition, which had a, a paintbrush Wiimote, if we want to tile it back to that. There we go. That's how we do it in this podcast, boys. We yeah. tie it all in. I will say, the concept art is very cool. I like this version. I like this Herbie the Love Bug, but as like a, a demon spider. That's cool. Oh, can I can I go on a spiel real quick? I want to go on a rant. Uh, sure, about Herbie the Love Bug or no? I, Mickey, I like Mickey. I this game, I will say, maybe this game was meant for me. Maybe this six out of ten shitty game was meant for me because I realized deep down in my heart, I like Mickey Mouse. Like yeah. I think I think the thing is 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 like in terms of a mascot, I think Mickey is so calculated, and he is like mm. so perfectly solid especially like the classic design yeah um the black white and red just looks so good and um especially in terms of like when you look at cartoons versus video games video game platform mascots like that is such a scenario to where the the game speaks for itself and like you can immerse yourself in in a way that you can really appreciate design like i would say banjo kazooie's aesthetic and design mm-hmm. is so important to the oh, enjoyment definitely. of the game you know what i mean so definitely. like oh that mascot is so cool and then when it plays into that mickey mouse is one of the coolest mascots you could ever draw and oh. in that scenario it was really fun to play yeah I, but I, as I, you said it's like without Mickey Mouse, the game is really, really fucking bad. Yeah, I like I I like Mickey as a character. It's just very difficult to separate the character from the icon, which maybe this game could have done some more with. Yeah, 
you know, maybe, maybe one of the forgotten variants roaming the wasteland is this mischievous early Mickey, and Mickey has to confront that he was an asshole once upon a time. It's a no, game. No, but if they did that, they'd have to admit he was an asshole. Yeah, it's, just, it's a that's game. Just impossible. <laughs> I don't know. I think we're spinning wheels now. Do you have any final thoughts on Epic Mickey? I think I don't like this game, but I do think it is worth remembering. Yeah, I mean, I I think my thing is, is even if I don't like this game, I would recommend it to anyone curious. Yeah, like, it's it's a game that's fun to talk about, which we have. We've talked about it for quite some time, even though we've, like, come down on it, because there's a lot to dissect with its premise and say, like, oh, what could have been? And, like, you know, there's a, there's a huge epic Mickey specifically fan base. Like, I've come across so much fan art and concepts for Kingdom Heart levels set in the epic Mickey world. You know, it's, I think it would have been a fun movie. <laughs> Maybe not a yeah. game. Yeah, no, I mean, I can see that. Um, when When is Oswald going to show up in Kingdom Hearts? He was supposed to be in three as an anti-hero, um, but in this circumstance, Disney did not let them use it. He may, if you, if you're insane and read too deep into the lore like me, he may be in the next chunk of games because that next chunk of games may be about forgotten characters. Well, we're going to end it here, folks. Yeah. I'm starting to forget this podcast now. Um, Murph, do you know the next game for next week? Or next two weeks? Yeah, this is definitely... When you want to talk about forgotten games, uh, forgotten ideas, it's this... I don't know where you pulled this from. Is this a is this a like a, a Saturn game? It's I I wish. No. <laughs> it's Half-Life 2. What the hell is a G-Man? I I think uh I think that's me on a on a Saturday night, I believe. Well, <laughs> good night, dear listener. <laughs> good night and good luck. Farewell everybody. It was nice having you. Uh I think this is going to be a a fun uh, journey with my new co-host and uh, we miss you Pablos yeah and then uh, yeah it, it goes out I guess, it goes I guess out. it's just gonna fade away yeah well the only thing I had left to say was I was gonna make a really hand over fist uh, analogy to Undertale Oh my god, it was so huge.